Welcome to the Hustle Class Podcast. We have a quick disclaimer. All material presented within Hustle Class LLC is not investment advice, but for educational purposes only. Trading involves risk and you are solely responsible for your investment decisions and assume the entire risk of any trading you choose to undertake. Owners of Hustle Class LLC and its representatives are not registered as security broker dealers or investment advisors, either with the United States Securities and Exchange Commission or with any state securities regulatory authority. Please utilize a registered investment or financial advisor to make any financial decisions. If you choose to invest without seeking advice from such an advisor or entity, then any consequences resulting from your investments are your sole responsibility. By utilizing Hustle Class LLC in our content, you are indicating your consent and agreement to our disclaimer. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Hustle Class Podcast. It is another Wednesday. I'm your host, Jermaine, and I am back at it again with another one. You know how I do. Um, I'm happy to be here. You know, health is wealth. Um, I've been living a healthier lifestyle than I was at the end of 2020, and I feel great. Um, you know, work's been piling up, but nonetheless, we, you know, we move. And so I've been getting a lot done, getting a lot accomplished, trying to be consistent. So yeah, as you see, as you see, I'm here again on another Wednesday. Um, I'm going to be posting episodes every Wednesday. It is free 99. All this information is for educational and entertainment purposes only. And if you ever want to act on anything, make sure you consult with a financial advisor. Um, losses are real, right? If you take risk in the stock market. Um, so yeah, um, that's that. Um, I will say thank you to everybody who consulted with me um, on, you know, stocks Um, this past month. It was a great month. Um, This is the first month I truly like was, um, you know, promoting my consulting and really um, going hard with it. Um, I had about 20 consultations, um, you know, and that was um, great. And I appreciate everybody who decided to get dedicate their time to learning something new and something that they can benefit from in the long run. Um, I appreciate everybody who took that opportunity Um, once again. Um, I'm doing referrals. So if you happen to um, refer somebody to me for a cons- consultation, I do give a portion of the proceeds to you for, you know, referring them to me. Um, you know, we can all eat. That's like what I like to say. We can all eat together and, you know, we can um, support each other and uplift each other. Right. Great. So tying back to what we were talking about last week, last week was the was the GameStop, AMC, Nokia, BlackBerry saga. Um, people even started talking about silver in there, and, you know, it, it kind of went crazy. Um, you know, there's people are still saying hold the line and all types of things. Wall Street Bets is still going crazy about it. Um, and so are a lot of, you know, people who don't know anything about stocks. They're really interested in it. Um, but as we saw, you know, all good things, you know, come to an end. And so I wouldn't necessarily say it's over, but definitely a lot of the gains that we saw from GameStop are now kind of like simmering down. And, you know, GameStop is kind of sitting in a little area or consolidating towards a, an average, if you will. Um, so, you know, things are kind of slowing down for GameStop and AMC, but we'll see how things unfold. Um, I got in a play um, last week. Right. So um, I guess a moment of transparency. So I got in a play of Nokia, right, um, or Nokia, and when I was in this play, um, right, I I knew about all the squeezes that were happening, um, the short squeezes, and I knew that Nokia was a potential target. So I knew that even if Nokia didn't necessarily have the same type of short interest that um, a GameStop or AMC had, um, the fear of what had happened from GameStop and um, AMC might translate over to Nokia and people might begin to liquidate their positions. So when I thought of this and I saw that Nokia hadn't moved much. I decided that I would um, invest in the company or, you know, buy um, a call option. Um, I bought a call with a reasonable strike and a reasonable um, expiration date. 
and I put some money into it. Now, what happened was I actually went up in the position because Nokia shot up seemingly out of nowhere, right? Nokia shot up to um, to about 500%. So I'm up 500% on this play. And because I understood what the swing of AMC did, because AMC went up the day before it went super crazy, and it kind of went up how Nokia went up for me. So I was like, you know what? Once people catch on, they're going to try to swing it. They're going to buy a lot at close, and I can make even more. What I probably should have done is taken some of my profit because I did have a couple of contracts on it. I didn't just have one because, when you know, when options, you want to have contracts. And so I ended up holding all of them. The stock froze, right? And then Robinhood came out with their rule that nobody could buy. Now, this is a big issue that affected me like like really poorly. And not only did it affect that trade for me, but it affected my trading psychology over the next couple of days, um, which I would say had a more negative effect on me than positive. So when Robinhood had decided to say that we're not going to let anybody buy this stock, right? You know, that was what they said. We're not going to let anybody buy AMC, GameStop, Nokia, or any of these stocks anymore. We're going to like take it off of Robinhood, basically. When they did that, um, so when you have options, there's something called implied volatility, right? Or I guess buying interest or um, velocity slash momentum. So when there's a lot of buying pressure, um, that drives the stock high, right? When when a stock goes up, it's basically an imbalance between buying and selling. There are more buyers than sellers. When the stock goes down, there are more sellers than buyers. So when Nokia was going up tremendously, it is because there was all of a sudden an influx of buyers and they bought the price they bought Nokia so much that the price just kept on escalating because there were so many buyers. But adversely, when they canceled off the buying and said nobody can buy this stock, what happened? Everybody was selling. There was there was nobody to buy. So it was just a lot of selling, a huge sell-off. And all the gains I basically made, all that 500% came back down to 20%. It was quite ridiculous. And it was like one of the most shocking things that I'd ever experienced in the market because this is never done um, for anybody, any of the little guys, you, you're never going to have a situation where, you know, you're, you're taking a pounding or you're taking an L and they're going to shut things off so that you can, you know, regain your, you know, balance. Um, but this is actually what ended up happening. And it was um, that's why a lot of people are saying that Robinhood is going to face some class action lawsuits and things of that nature, because the the idea that, you know, for example, they said they were having a liquidity issue. Right. If it's a true if it's an issue that you know, is in regards to liquidity, what a lot of people are thinking, what I think, and now Robinhood could come out and give us the the reasons why we might be wrong in this, but that what we're thinking is if nobody can buy, make it so that nobody can sell either. They were saying that, oh, you know what, we didn't want to prevent people from selling because some people get into positions and they just want to get out. They don't want to be stuck holding it. Well, some people, you know what I'm saying? It, it, it's the same for the other way around. So for them to make that argument for the seller, but for them to not make that argument for the buyer, like, don't you want to buy something that's going up? You know what I'm saying? Like, the same way somebody just wants to sell something and they don't want to be stuck in holding their position, somebody also wants to buy something with the hopes that it's going to go up. So when you cancel off the buyers and you only keep the sellers, only one side, it's, it's not fair, it's not balanced at all. That is not fair or balanced by any means. It is one-sided. When you restrict buyers and only have sellers, the stock price is going to go down. It is going to go down. The reason being, one might, sell, one might say, well, nobody's going to have to sell their shares. That is correct. But anybody doing options is going to have an IV crush, an implied volatility crush, because there is no momentum with the lack of buyers. And so there's no velocity. There's no upward momentum. There's no pressure to go up. 
So when you have that lack of momentum, your options premium is going to get crushed because one of the Greeks within your um, options Greeks is going to be implied volatility related. Um, so, you know, that was very, very unfair. And I was very disappointed to see that happen. And once that happened, what I mean by affecting my trading psychology is I was on edge like Robinhood's going to shut down any second. They're going to shut things down. So even though I had plays that were, were really good, my thought that Robinhood was going to, I guess, start closing different trades just because they were doing well, um, my fear of that increased. And then I ended up cutting cutting out of plays that I could have done very well in, um, you know, and so I, I really um, am disappointed in Robin Hood for doing that. And like everybody else, I'm thinking of, okay, where am I going to take my money next? Because a lot of us don't really rock with Robin Hood right now um, anymore after that. So um, that was very, very disappointing. And it was actually quite interesting. You know, we learned a thing or two. And somewhere in the fine print of Robin Hood, it does say that at any point in time, they can restrict your buying or selling of anything. So I guess, you know, once again, ta table of contents, they need to make it more readable for people because, you know, I mean, who can really read and retain, you know, the 20 pages that make up, you know, that table of contents or, um, you know, um, acknowledgments and agreements of services, you know? So, um, yeah, um, that's that. But nonetheless, you know, we move. So we're back into a new week with new opportunities. Um, I personally am going to be leaving options for a while after that um, whole thing that happened. Um, I'm thinking I'm just going to slow burn my portfolio, just take it one day at a time. Um, you know, if it, I'll definitely still be posting potential plays in the Forever Slow Stroking group hosted by our, you know, former co-host Eon, who now has a podcast called the Forever Slow Stroking Podcast. He also has a stock group that I um, administer in with him, and I will still be dropping plays that I find, um, you know, as I refine my strategy and fine-tune some things on my end, um, entry points and targets and things of that nature. And so I will still be posting plays in that group. If you want to join that group, the link is in the bio um, of this episode. Um, so I'll still be in that group and I'm still doing consultations for options because even though I find good stocks that are good for swings, I could also find good option swings depending on the amount of volume that the stock potentially has and what our price targets might be. So you can definitely still find good options even if you decide not to take advantage of options trading, right? Because it's more risk. I feel like right now I'm not really looking for more risk. I feel like I'm trying to focus on grad school and other things. So I need to, you know... Um, you know, reduce my risk because I cannot spend as much time in the market um, as I would like. Um, so that's that. Um, and yeah, um, I was going to talk about some of the some of the plays that we had brought up um, before the GameStop saga um, just to see our progress on them. Um, a lot of the plays that I come up with, um, I'm going to be, I guess, going th over them for for like the month. Um, so next week you should have new plays. Um, but this week I'm gi I'm giving kind of like a recap of the ones that we talked about two weeks ago and then whatever plays we go over next week, um, we'll kind of just follow their progress and any new information we get about them as time progresses and things of that nature. So we're going to grow together. Um, if you invested in, in any of those trades that I talked about, um, you know, the last podcast, you know, you consulted with your financial advisor and then you, you know, he gave, he or she gave you the go ahead. Um, he, she, or they, right, gave you the go-ahead, um, we can, you know, see your progress. Um, you know, just today, um, the plays that we were talking about previously were up, you know, greatly. 
Um, so um, I'm, I'm very proud that, um, you know, I'm able to, you know, add value to people's lives. Um, that's good. And so let's talk a little bit about them. So one of the plays that we talked about a while ago was Gevo, G-E-V-O. Um, it's still a buy. The price to book is still excellent. It was up 11% today, um, which is good. That's nice progress. Um, you know, I really like them because um, one of the things I really like about them is their debt to equity ratio. Um, they have more equity than debt. That's amazing. We want to see that. They have more assets than debt. We want to see that as well. Um, so I really like GVO. Um, from um, a financial, you know, and fundamental perspective, um, when it comes to, you know, the stock chart, um, what I like about GVO um, is the fact that um, they actually, you know, were, were seeming to cross the, um, what is it, the eight-day moving average. Um, they were seemingly going to cross it downward, but they ended up, you know, crossing back above it. And so since it's not even coming down to touch the 21 moving average, um, my assumption is that we're going to keep moving up. And, you know, we're going to keep um, heading in a higher direction in terms of that stock. We're not even going to come back um, to test um, previous lows or to fill in any gaps. Um, another thing to consider is that um, a candlestick pattern on it is a bullish engulfing on the daily, meaning we should have some good upside and it should test um, all-time highs. So we're looking good for Jivo. Um, price target of about 14. Um, so that's great. Um, let's go to the next one, SPI. Um, and you know, according to my, um, analytical tool I'm using here, um, don't feel like disclosing it. Um, but you know, I'm sure a lot of you know what I, what I'm using. Um, so SPI, um, as I'm analyzing it, um, from a fundamental perspective, um, still a very, very strong buy. It's not actually just a buy. It's a strong buy. Um, it looks like, you know, it's looking to break out soon. Maybe there's some news headed its way. Um, also has a very, very excellent, um, you know, asset to debt ratio. Um, the price to sales looks good. The price to revenue looks good. Um, this company is one of the, what you see is what you get. Um, and I feel like it still hasn't even cracked the surface because as the Biden, um, you know, the Biden team mobilizes and strategizes, um, on how they're going to attack energy in this country. Um, these are one of the companies that I feel like are going to benefit directly from it. Um, financially, um, you know, in terms of the contracts that they might get and things of that nature. So I really like this company. Um, I bought some. I'm thinking I'm going to buy more um, since it's still a strong buy at this point. Um, if you look at its 52-week high and its 52-week low, we're closer to the low, which is great. That means a lot of upside potential. Um, and if you look at the technicals, I love, and this is one thing I really love that I like to tell people, like when you look at a stock that has all the financial data to match it being high and currently it's trading low and the price has been beat down, I feel like a lot of it's beat down just because these hedge funds are trying to get better positions. They control the market, right? So if they can bring the price down, they can make sure that they have access to um, better prices to buy a stock. So um, this stock that you know we're talking about right now was actually able... It was actually able to close, um, to open and close above the eight, uh, the eight moving average um, from a perspective of, um, well, the eight simple moving average, we'll call it, from a perspective of the daily. And so, you know, it ended up coming down and touching the 21 and then bounced up above the eight. So I think we have a lot of upward momentum um, here. It's probably going to test most recent highs of 12. And right now it's at 10. So we have about $2 to move. Doesn't seem like a lot, but $2 in relation to $10, right, is about 20%. Um, that's great. 20, a 20% 20 move means you put in $1,000, you see um, 200, 
you know, that's not that's not bad. Risk risk one thousand to C two hundred is not bad. Um, I think it is going to test new highs. Um, we'll be mindful of it. We'll keep watching on it. But one thing about these companies, right, that I kind of bring up, um, I don't really like to bring in sort of like quick hit plays into the podcast. I like to bring good long holds, um, things that you can hold for a month at least, um, a year at most, right? Um, maybe even longer than a year, actually. You could probably hold a lot of these companies forever. But, you know, I, I like to rebalance my portfolio continuously because there's always something new that's trending or that's popping. Um, and I feel like opportunity cost of keeping my money in a company that um, has already had its buzz might not be the best use of it. But a lot of these companies have a lot of upper tra- upward trajectory for a long time. So you can keep your money in it and just sit and wait. My favorite one I did that with was CrowdStrike, CRWD. Bought it at 50 kind of bought it and forgot about it. Um, a year later, I was up um, 500%, um, you know, ridiculous amount of upside. And I could have kept holding it, but at that point, I was like, let me use this money elsewhere. Um, so SPI, great. Um, another one that I want to talk about um, that we talked about last time is BWEN. That's Broadwin Incorporated. Um, you know, it's uh, more on the upside right now um, than on the downside because if we look at its um, 52-week range, um, its highest is, you know, 13. Right now it's sitting at 10.2. Um, the reason why I like this company, also another great price-to-book ratio, a beautiful price-to-revenue, a beautiful price-to-sales. Um, I really like their assets versus debt and their debt-to-equity. It looks amazing. Um, and this is another company that is focused on clean tech. Um, so, you know, they're, they're, they're on that wave of, you know, cleaner, a cleaner America or a cleaner world, right? So this is a company that we're looking at heavy. Um, so from a financial perspective, it looks great. From a technical analysis perspective, um, it just broke a wedge. Um, so a lot of people are long on it, you know, and I can't blame them. You know, um, I, I like to draw like my, um, you know, my wedges to see when stocks are going to break out. And if they break out, um, you know, if it's breaking out of a wedge on a daily time frame, that means the upside um, might be in for a while. We might see a lot of upside for, for a good amount of time. So um, I like what I see. Um, I'm about to actually go to the chart right now and see what it looks like. Um, so as I'm looking at the chart, um, looks like we're getting a MACD reversal to the upside potentially. That's good. Um, looks like we bounced off the 21-day moving average. So hopefully... We're going to be able to go to the upside, test new highs around $12. So right now is a great time to get back in if you were in it and you left it for a little bit. Um, because I think when we got it, it was a little cheaper. Um, so, you know, it went up to about $13, came back down, and now it's going back up again. So this is another one that I might be loading up on. I think I'm going to load up on SPI. I'm going to load up on BWEN. And we're going to go to the moon. Well, if we can't go to the moon, at least we'll just chill in the sky, right? As long as we're up. Um, so those are the three companies that I brought up last time. And so I decided to bring it up again so that we could chat about it, see our progress. Um, seems like right now we're up um, in a little bit. I'm going to actually um, I think maybe for the next episode to start, I'll talk about the progress at that point. And then we'll see um, how well we've done based on when I first talked about it on the podcast. So we'll see a little bit of our progress, see how we're doing. Um, and yeah, and then next week, hopefully I will have some different companies for us, um, to look at. And then once we talk about those companies, we'll be in great shape, um, great shape. So yeah, I don't want to introduce any of the companies I've been looking at now because it would be too long for me to give it an explanation. You know, um, we kind of have been in this episode for a while now. So, you know, I just want you guys to have a good week, um, have a good rest of your week. 
you know, rest, relax. Um, time in the market is cool, but, you know, the market can take can be very draining. So make sure that as you're setting these plays, you set your stop losses and you just like set it and forget it. Let them do what they do. Let these companies work for you and then see what the progress is after after a while. Once again, thank everybody for listening in. I really appreciate it. Um, this is Hustle Class. Um, we're trying to see how we can monetize a little bit. We might have a Patreon going or Patreon, um, whatever you want to call it, and things of that nature so we can give more um, and also receive more, right? So thank you for tuning in, and we'll talk next week. Bye.